children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jehune, the Kenazite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee at Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereupon thy feet, or whereon thy feet have trodden, shall be thine inheritance, and thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, and yet I am as strong as this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jehune Hebron as an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jehune the Kenazite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. When we look at some individuals in the Bible, we can see the character that God found in those individuals. And we can look at someone like Abraham, who was referred to by God in James chapter 2 and verse 23 as a friend of God. And then when God was looking for someone to replace King Saul, uh, who had disobeyed God, he found David, a man after God's own heart. And then we can look at Job as another individual who, was, who persevered and had patience that we see uh, in the book of Job and is referred to also in James chapter 5 and verse 11. And then we look at an individual like Moses. The Bible says he was the meekest man on the earth. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. And so when we look at all of those individuals, we can see that there is a characteristic in their life that God loved about that individual. And I wonder sometimes when He looks at us, what are the things that He sees in our lives that He is thankful for or that He gives us credit for? And I wanted today to look at another individual. And if you see the words on the screen, you probably knew who I was going to be talking about. And that's Caleb. Because Caleb is an individual who stands out in my mind as an outstanding individual who stood up against those that were against him. And he did the right thing. He had trust and faith in God even against when people or even when people wanted to destroy his life. We first read about Caleb in Numbers. You might want to keep your finger there at Joshua and flip over to Numbers chapter 13. Because it is there that we first are introduced to Caleb. Caleb was one of the twelve spies that were sent into the land of Canaan. And ten of those spies came back with an evil report saying that they could not conquer the land. And listen to what it says in Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 27. It says, And they told him, speaking of Moses, and said, We came into the land whither thou sent us, 
and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the, the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwelt in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwelt by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. Ten of these spies, twelve went in total, Two of the, or ten of those spies went in, they saw, and they saw the problem. They saw what was in that land, and they did not deny that it was it flowed with milk and honey. They said that it was a tremendous land. But they also saw the, the fortified cities. They saw the people, and they were discouraged. And then in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30, it was Joshua and Caleb who disagreed with their analysis of their, of, of their search. In verse 30 it says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Think about that for a moment. Joshua and Caleb, two individuals who went into that land and they said, yes, it flows with milk and honey, and yes, we can conquer it. The other ten said, no, it does flow with milk and honey. It is the promised land, but we can't take that land. Imagine that situation that put Joshua and Caleb were put in. They had to stand up against these spies. They trusted God. Now, I want to remind you that all of these individuals of the children of Israel had seen the power of God when He delivered them out of Egypt. They had seen the Red Sea part and they crossed on dry land and then they saw the water close in on Pharaoh's army. And so they had seen those things. They had seen the ten plagues. And so they'd seen how they were spoiled or that they spoiled Egypt when they left. They, they gave them their gold and the things that were very precious to them and they left. They'd seen all of that, but now they're at the promised land that God said He was going to give them and all these ten spies can see is the work that's going to take place in order to conquer that land. Unfortunately, the ten spies prevailed because in Numbers chapter 13, verses 31, beginning, it says, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land though which we have gone to search it is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there was there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which came which come of the giants. And we were in our sight as grasshoppers, and so were in their sight. What are they looking at? They go in and they see the problems. They see what is what the work is, what, what is involved in taking this city, and they're not willing to put forth the effort. They see themselves as grasshoppers compared to these other individuals. And they say these other individuals, if I read this correct, these other individuals see them as grasshoppers. Now I wonder, did they interview the people to see what they looked at and you know, thought, hey, tell us what you think of us. They were there to spy them out. And they saw the giants, they saw these big people, and they were afraid. Remember, God had delivered them out of Egypt. Egypt was a very powerful nation. 
but they had seemed to lose sight of that. Joshua and Caleb tried to get the people to change their minds. And in Numbers chapter 14, beginning in verse 6, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jehune, which were with them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it, it is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then, we will, then He will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Two individuals that have faith in God. Two individuals that trusted God. All the others could see was just the fear of what was before them. How many of us are like the children of Israel? Where we see what's before us and all we see is the problem? All we see is what makes us afraid as opposed to trusting in God. Putting our faith in God like Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, hey, you're wrong. This is good land and we can do it with God's help. And what do they want to do? They want to stone them. Has anyone in here ever been stoned? Oh, I've had people that I thought were going to hit me because I said something about the Bible. I've had people that said negative things about me because of what I believe about the Bible. But I've never had someone say, I'm going to stone you or I want to kill you. No, that may happen someday. But I've never had that. And Joshua and Caleb still stood firm in their belief and trust in God. That's what we need in our lives today. A trust and belief in God that cannot be moved. They had a different spirit than all the rest of Israel. And they took the unpopular stand because it was the right stand. God had promised them that land and they trusted God to deliver it to them. And even when they were threatened with stoning, they did not back down. And all the adults, the Bible tells us, all the adults of Israel were forbidden to enter the, the land of Canaan with the exception of two, and that was Joshua and Caleb. God re recognized Caleb as a man with a different spirit. In Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24, the Bible says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring him to the land whereinto ye went, or he went, and his seed shall possess it. I want you to think about that verse just for a moment. That is the greatest compliment that could ever be paid to anyone here on this earth. For God Himself to say, but my servant Caleb. You know, it's easy for us to say, yes, I'm a servant of God. It's easy to say, yes, I follow God. But when God says it, 
It's not something that we just make up. God knew Caleb. God looked at Caleb and God considered him my servant. Won't it be wonderful if we've lived our lives in such a way that when we get to that judgment scene that God can look at us and say, ah, my servant is here. God respected Caleb for his stand because Caleb trusted God. The Bible tells us that everyone else died in the wilderness that were 20 years old and up. <clears throat> you go back and look in Numbers chapter 1, verse 45, and chapter 2, verse 32, you can find where the number of men and the children of Israel were 603,500 that were 20 years old and up. That did not include women. Now think about that over the next 40 years. Joshua and Caleb both are going to witness over 603,500 people die. That's a lot of people to watch die. I'm sure some of us can see that some of our friends have passed away. And as we get older, we see more and more pass away. But imagine knowing all these individuals or knowing these people and 603,000, you do the math and figure out how much that would average out to a day. That would be a lot of death. And they still remain faithful to God. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. <clears throat> and then Moses reminds the next generation just before they enter the Can into Canaan, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 35-39, through 39, he says, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto your fathers, save Caleb the son of Jehuneh, who shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Also the Lord was angry with me for, for my sakes, saying that thou also shall not go into thither. But Joshua the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones, which ye said would be, should be prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. Here they are on the outskirts of the promised land. All these individuals had died away. And now Moses is reminding them why Joshua and Caleb are going to go into the promised land. Moses was not even allowed to go into the promised land because he disobeyed God. But Caleb was there. And Caleb went in and he conquered, helped conquer the land of Canaan. One of the things that we can learn back in Joshua chapter 14 about Caleb was that at this particular time when they're about to go in, or he, he wants his inheritance, he's 85 years old. When he makes that statement, give me this mountain, imagine what he, how old he was at that time, 85 years old. We see that in verses 6 through 8. And then in verses 9 through 10, we are reminded, or he's reminded, or he is reminding them of what Moses has said about his right to his inheritance. 
And then in verses 11 and 12, we see what he wants, that he's ready to wage war. And when you hear the mountain that he wants, it's where those giants lived. And that's kind of amazing that after 45 years, he's seen those, he witnessed it, he's seen how big they were, and yet that's the mountain that he wants. He wants that mountain because he's ready to go and conquer it. Because he realized that it was that place, one of those places that had caused the children of Israel to be afraid and not take the land. He said, give me this mountain. I don't know about it. If you were a kid, when you were a kid, if you ever played uh, King of the Mountain or King of the Hill, if you were on top, it was easier to stay up there than it was to get to the top. Because you have greater leverage, you have uh, greater. It takes more effort to get to the top. And think about what Caleb is saying. I want this mountain, and I'm going to go conquer it. And he did. We find in Joshua chapter 14, verses 13 through 15, in chapter 15, verses 13 through 19, that he did defeat them. He wasn't afraid. Why wasn't he afraid? Because he trusted God. He had faith in what God had said. When God said that this is the land I've given to you. So what can we learn? What can we learn about or from Caleb that will help us? You see, there are many people today who sit back and wait for God to handle the matter. They want God to take care of it. They don't want to put forth any effort. And I think that we can see that over the course of time that there are things that we need to do in order to make things happen. He did what he could, knowing that God would handle the rest. And that's something that is very important in our lives. We were studying prayer in our lessons that I email out. And one of the things that I pointed out in the last lesson is the fact that God answers our prayers, but sometimes we're the answer to that prayer. That God will do His part, but we also have to do our part. And we can see examples in the Bible that shows us that God does His part, but we must also do what we're supposed to do. For instance, in one of those lessons, I talk about praying for the harvest. The field is wide under the harvest, but the laborers are few. Jesus says, pray that He would send forth laborers into the field. Well, who's the answer to that prayer? Who's the answer to that prayer? Lord, we, we realize there's a harvest, we want you to send laborers. Now, we can sit back and do nothing or we can prepare ourselves so that we can be an answer to that prayer, that we can help answer that prayer by going out in our, ourselves into the world and teaching people the Gospel of Christ. Talk to your friends, your neighbors, people about Christ. Think about it. God will do His part. He may make the opportunities. He may present them for us, but we have to seize those opportunities. Just like Cornelius Cornelius prayed. God heard his prayer, the Scripture says. And he was told to send for Peter. Did he send for Peter? Yes, he sent for Peter. And when Peter came, what did Cornelius do? He gathered all of his kinfolks together so that they could hear the message that Peter was going to tell them that they needed to do in order to be saved. And so think about that. God will do His part, but we must do our part. We can't just sit back and expect it to happen. 
We have to trust God. And that's exactly what Caleb is doing in his situation. He's trusting God, but he's not waiting on God to just say, do it. You know, it's like Joshua and Caleb, or uh, Joshua when they went in and he took the city of Jericho. God said, I've given you this city. But did Joshua just sit back and say, ah, okay, thanks. No, God told him what to do and he had to march around that city. He marched around the city like God told him to do. They shouted, did what they were supposed to do. The walls fell down and they conquered the city. Why? Because they did their part and God did exactly what He said He would do. He gave them the city. And so we need to understand that sometimes there's a part that we have to play in that situation. And Caleb was an individual who didn't just wait for God to do it. He stepped out and he did what he could. And he didn't fade away in his old age. In other words, when he turned 85, he didn't say, well, I'm too old to do this. He was ready to go to war. He was ready to fight. And he still had just as much faith at 85 that he had when he was 40. And like Paul, he would have finished his course in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-8, through 8, it says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Paul fought the good fight. He finished his course. But the important thing was he kept his faith. Caleb was the same. He finished his course, but he kept the faith all through that. He fought a good fight. He did what he was supposed to do. Can that be said about you and me? Would God look at us and say, Oh, my servant, put your name at the end of that. Would He say that? Because you've wholly followed Him? Notice also, he didn't demand God's help. He acted even though he did not know that he would win. In Joshua chapter 14 and verse 12, listen to what he says, Now therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the city was great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to deliver them out as the Lord said. There's an if in there. If the Lord's with him, then he would be victorious. He realized that he still needed to be faithful to God. That because of something he could do that was violated God's law, that God would not be with him. He understood that. And we need to understand that when we're doing what's right, God is with us. But when we're doing things that are wrong, God is not with us. And Joshua wasn't demanding God that, you know, you've given it to me. Now you have to, you've got to, you've got to fight for me. Caleb trusted God to do his part. But God, or Caleb knew that God said what he wanted and that's what was enough. Caleb also didn't do just the minimum. He reached out to do the maximum. How many Christians today 
just do enough to say that they're a Christian. Well, I go to church services. I, I go all the time. That should be enough. Do you think God expects us to live that Christian life every day of the week? Or just while we're here for a few minutes on Sunday? Don't put forth a minimal effort. Don't be like those, those uh, ten spies where you can look and find all the problems with the church or with brother or sister so-and-so. You like the two that had the solution. You see, it's easy to find problems. It's easy to do the minimal. The hard part is finding the solution and then working through it. And we have to trust God to help us in those situations. And so, one of the things we need to learn is you can't go along with the majority. It's easy to go along. Easy to go along to get along. But Caleb and Joshua were two individuals that still trusted God, and no matter what everyone else said, they still had their faith in God. And what I find amazing about the children of Israel is that after that God said, you're not going in, they decided they're going to try to go in. Where was, why didn't they do that to begin with? You see, sometimes we just don't do things the right way. And we have to trust God. And the majority isn't going to be the ones that decide morality. It's God. Because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Jesus is telling us that the majority are going to be lost. Today in our world that we live in, our society, our nation, we see laws that are enacted that violate God's law. Now it'd be easy to go along to get along, but we still have to obey God rather than man. And that's what we need to understand, that we can't go along with the majority, and sometimes the majority may be right. But in most cases, the majority isn't right. And just because you're in the minority doesn't mean that's right either. What we need to understand is we have to do God's will. Remember what Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. I have to do my Father's will. And I don't want to be one of those individuals that gets there on the day of judgment and say, you know, Lord, look at all the things that I've done and then have Him say, Depart from me, I never knew you. I have to be obedient to His will. Just like Caleb, just like Joshua, just like Paul, just like all the others that we read about who were faithful to our Lord. And when you think that you're all alone, think about what Jesus tells us. He told us in the Great Commission that He would never leave us, but listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Do we believe that? Do we trust that? Do we trust that statement that we have from God's Word? He's with us. And so even when we're standing against terrible odds, God is still with us. God is still in control. 
We need to trust Him and we need to have our faith in Him. You see, it's hard to be different from others, but Caleb had a different spirit. And that's what we need to have. Do you have a different spirit? You see, in a sense, every, everyone else was looking at the problem. Caleb was looking at the solution. And his solution was God. If God would help him, if he was faithful, if God would help him. And brethren, we need to understand what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. <clears throat> that we walk by faith and not by sight. We have to continue to trust God. We can't allow fear to control us. We have to get away from that because God will help us in this life so that we can have a home in heaven in the hereafter. You see, Caleb <clears throat> relied on the promise that God made. The question is, do we rely on those promises? First <clears throat> John chapter 2 and verse 25. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, <clears throat> even eternal life. So this morning I ask you, do you have your trust in Him? Are you believing what He's telling us? If not, then make changes in your life. <clears throat> you have that opportunity to come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.